Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Canadian Division preview for the upcoming NHL season on the Unparalleled Success Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Woods, and joining me today will be Matt Wilson, as in just a moment, we will be previewing the upcoming season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Alexi Yashin, Chris Phillips, Ball, Geddes, Mollett, Mike Fisher, Marion Hosa, Martin Havlat, Pizza Line, Ray Emery, Brian Murray, Redden, Lee Cowan, Smith, Neal, Fat by Guide, Walrus, Chara, Heatley, Alfie, all left the team, Andrew Hammond, Kyle Tursa, Benajat, Double D on Mark Stone, Carlson, Matt Duchesne to single, Hogberg, Shabata, Chuck, unparalleled success. We didn't start the rebuild. It was always brewing since 2009 We didn't start the rebuild No, we didn't start it, but this time we've got it I'm Ryan Woods, and joining me today is Matt Wilson, Maple Leaf super fan. How's it going, Matt? See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a Maple Leaf super fan because when you think of Maple Leaf super fan, you think of Steve Dangle, you think of Platinum Seat Ghost, a lot of. See, let's before before we get into it, let's get this out of the way. I enjoyed the Toronto media. A lot of people hate the Toronto media, but I enjoy listening to Overdrive. I enjoy listening to Steve Dangle party. I met Steve. In person, I have his book. His book, I don't know, you can't see it on the camera, but he's behind me somewhere on that shelf, right? But I wouldn't consider myself a super fan because when the Leafs lose and they lose in the playoffs every year, it's not it's not like a, it's not a hit to the the chest. You know, like it's not a hit to the heart. Like if the Buffalo Bills lost on Saturday, I would have been distraught, and I almost was distraught because they almost lost that game. But in terms of hockey, wouldn't call myself a super fan, but I seem to have a general grasp of what's going on with the Leafs and. I'm excited to break it down for you. Lots of off-season moves and the season getting underway this week. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and you mentioned the Bills game on the weekend. That was wild, of course, with the fumble. That call should have absolutely been overturned, so you must have been sweating bullets there for the Hail Mary attempt in the final seconds. But uh, oh, there, were, there, was some, yeah, there were some choice words at the TV on Saturday afternoon. We can, uh, we'll put it that way. Definitely interesting to to hear your perspective on that, like being a Bills fan, and that you you you're not as absolutely crushed as everybody else is in the Leafs fan space when they disappoint in the playoffs. But that that yeah. brings me to my first question. Of course, last year there were some high expectations, as always in Leafland, and they were hovering around the wild card spot for the most of the season. Of course, we'll never know if they would have made it in if it weren't for the season being canceled, but we do know they lost to the Blue Jackets in the play-in round. What do you make of a team that barely technically qualified for the playoffs last season and the season, the off-season moves that were made by Kyle Dubas? Well, when you look at the Leafs in last season for them, they had a horrible start, and... Uh... Most of that was due to brand-new NBC Sports analyst Mike Babcock, of course, hired in NBC today. Uh, they, had, they, had a, they had a pathetic start. And once Sheldon Keith came in, they kind of they they kind of started going Tyson Berry, scored two goals in his first two games there against the Coyotes and uh, Colorado. And they started humming there right in end of November, early December, right through Christmas. Then you get to that slow spot, January, February, and then the season gets canceled. 
would they have made the playoffs last year? I think they would have. It was them and the Florida Panthers kind of competing for that last spot before the COVID shutdown. I I don't think the Panthers are very good. To be hundred percent honest with you, I see. I I could have seen the Leafs get out of that spot, but yeah, they ended up losing in five games to the Columbus Blue Jackets. There's no excuse for that. But Kyle Dubas, of course, going out and acquiring a guy like Wayne Simmons, TJ Brody, Zach Bogosian, Joe Thornton, of course. Those are some big moves. TJ Brody, a really nice guy, could kind of solidify that pairing with Morgan Riley on the back end. You got Joe Thornton. He's a future Hall of Famer. He's might only have a year or two left in him, but he can put he can pass the puck like anybody that's ever played the game. And you got a guy like Wayne Simmons. He's a local Toronto guy. He's kind of that grit, that sandpaper type guy that goes in front of the net and makes some plays. Ex Brockville Brave, of course, in the CCHL. And of course, you got Zach Bogosian, who's very similar to Wayne Simmons. He's kind of a hard-nosed defenseman in front of the net. You're not getting much space when Zach Bogosian's on the ice. So yeah, I think the Leafs had to do exactly. They did exactly what they needed to do this offseason. Of course, dumping a guy like Kapanen and Johnson. Those guys were cap casualties, of course. But I can, I really do think Kyle Dubas had a great offseason. It's going to be interesting to see how Sheldon Keefe kind of deploys these lines and how these guys kind of get into game action. Because as we've seen with the Sens and other teams, I mean, doing these controlled scrimmage type things, but nobody's actually ever played an actual hockey game, a lot of these teams since March. So it's going to be really exciting to see how um, they get on the ice. But you know what? I was a fan of the offseason moves made by Kyle Dubas. One of the most common narratives surrounding the Maple Leafs is that uh, they don't have a strong enough defense to succeed in the playoffs, but anybody who watched the series against the Blue Jackets last year saw that that wasn't necessarily the case. Freddie Anderson stood on his head, and it was the offense that was nowhere to be found for a team that has their top forward four forwards making combined $40 million. Were you surprised that you didn't see any more major offseason moves this year? See, there's always kind of the talk in Leafs Nation. And of course, all the idiots you read on Twitter, oh, Nylander has to go for a defenseman. Maybe trade Marner while he's still kind of like his value's up here making $9 million a year, that sort of thing. But in terms of firepower up front, that top six is, is lethal. And I really don't know what you could have done to improve that top six. So that's why they kind of solidified that bottom six with Wayne Simmons. You got Jason Spencer returning, Joe Thornton, of course. Alexander Barabanov coming over from the KHL. I haven't seen him play yet. I had nothing on him. <laughs> if we're going to get into Barabanov later, I don't have much to say. But, uh, yeah, and, well, see, your star players, when you're paying star players, they got to play like star players. Austin Matthews, he ripped up that series, especially that game four, I believe it was, when they scored in overtime. They came back with three goals. But, yeah, that's interesting. It really is. You're paying the star players to perform, and when you're not performing, there's always going to be kind of questions surrounding your team. So it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, especially as you mentioned, the four or five guys making the big money. It's going to be really interesting to see how they perform this year. If I can add a follow-up question there, if you were had to pick one of those four players who you could see on the way out in the future, would it be a guy like Nylander, who all the Twitter idiots, as you referred to them as, are pushing out the door? Or would it be John Tavares, who may be soon starting to be on the decline, making 11 millions compared to Nylander, who has the best value contract out of the four? Yeah, see, it's interesting. You just hit the nail on the head in terms of value. Nylander is by far the best, making $6.9 million. Honest to God, Ryan, it'd be Mitch Marner would honestly be the most expendable guy. And that's not because he's, he's, one, of the, he's one of the best players in the league, if you look at it general landscape but in terms of what you can get in return and the money he's making per year i'm not i wouldn't move any of these guys i'd let these guys ride kind of into the sunset especially a guy like Tavares. you just gave him that contract he's your captain you kind of guaranteed him a lot of different things 
terms of if you absolutely had a gun to your head, you had to move one of those players, I'd move Marner out of the four. That's just my take on it. If we take a look at the lines for the upcoming season that I had you project for me. Really Is there anything that stands out to you like a surprise yeah. of anybody that didn't crack the opening night lineup or that you think might not make it that you expected them to? Yeah, I was going to say, there's lots. The way Sheldon keeps kind of deploying his lines here is interesting. A guy like Jimmy BC up playing second line left wing instead of a guy like Mikheyev is interesting. But in terms of the opening night lineup, not a whole lot of surprises. Uh, Nick Robertson, I could definitely see sliding into a spot where a Barabanov is currently projected to play. Travis Boyd's kind of a depth center that would have been like a first-line guy on the Marlies this year, and he will be, of course, if the Marlies get going. Rasmus Sandin, I could really want to see him get in on defense. Of course, he's on that taxi squad right now. But in terms of guys that the team for outright put on waivers and have released or get sending down to the whatever the AHL is going to be this year, there's not a ton of surprises. Timothy Lilligren, I guess, would be probably the biggest surprise out of the bunch. But he hasn't really shown anything. He got mono there in his rookie year. He's kind of been... Yeah, it's, it's interesting. He was the 18th overall pick back to 2017, I believe it was. And that's that's he's probably the most surprising guy. But with the taxi squad this year and the ability to kind of carry a couple extra guys with you due to COVID reasons and that sort of thing, it's going to be interesting to see because I do believe every single one of them, maybe outside of Adam Brooks, I don't know if he's really ready to make an instant impact in the NHL. But I could definitely see Nick Robertson getting in this year. I could definitely see Travis Boyd maybe slotting in there for a so if there's an injury between it, like a Jason Spetzer or a Kerfoot, that sort of thing. Maybe he comes up and plays bottom line center, that sort of thing. But of course, Miko Lettinen, who they signed out of the KHL, was named defenseman of the year in the KHL last year. Him and Rasmus Standing, I definitely see them get in the lineup as well. And if you have a goaltender industry, Freddie Anderson and Jack Campbell go down, you get Aaron Dell, who's going to prove him back in the league and slide right in there. So it's going to be interesting to see how the taxi squad works. And of course, for a team like the Ottawa Senators as well. I'm sure you've done this other episodes. It's going to be fired into this episode. There's a lot of players, not a lot of open spots. It's going to be interesting to see how it works. Is perhaps the biggest surprise for the deployment seeing, like, Joe Thornton, the, like the oldest guys in the league, being on the top line with Matthews and Marner? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Sheldon Khalif kind of deploys these lines because Joe Thornton, he can pass the puck, but he's one of the best passers in the history of the game. Right, but Matthews and Marner are going to be playing upwards of 20, 20 to twenty-two minutes a night. That sort of thing, right? They're going to be up there, right? In terms of your top uh, time on ice, guys. Joe Thornton can't; he just won't be able to keep up. See him get more 15, 16 minutes on the ice. So it's interesting to see how they kind of deploy these lines because Joe Thornton's going to be on every first-line power play with Matthews and Marner. It's I'm excited to see how it goes to start the season, but look back on all previous seasons you can see like what the lines were in training camp and what they were by the end of the season it's like lines get put in a blender like 10 times during the regular season right but it's gonna be interesting to see joe thornton start on that top line and of course a guy like jimmy vc who the least wanted to sign out of harvard a couple years ago kind of a reclamation project he was in buffalo last year the rangers before if you go to buffalo i'm sorry i love the bills i've been to a couple sabers games in buffalo i feel for that fan base if the hockey team had the same success as the football teams currently have, that city would blow up and they'd be in flames, right? So, uh, yeah, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Joe Thornton can do, especially in these first couple games. Double header against the Sens this weekend. Joe, Joe only probably plays one of those two games, but it's going to be great to see Friday and Saturday. You and I have both enjoyed covering the CCHL and with the Junior A hockey here in Ottawa, of course. 
One person who made a name for themselves as a coach with the Pembroke Lumber Kings was Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe, winning and leading that team to five consecutive CCHL playoff championships. What did you like from uh, what you saw in his first year behind the NHL bench? Well, you know what, Ryan? I don't know if you have you been to the Memorial Center in Pembroke. It's it's quite the sight to see when you. It's walk a that. historical barn. I I love the vibes in there. No, it's it's terrific. I was there twice last year, and um, yeah, it's terrific. And just to kind of see how Sheldon kind of gives back to that community and still mentions Pembroke every once in a while is pretty cool. But yeah, in terms of the way he performed the bench behind the bench last year, it was kind of tough to judge because he came when you come in, in the middle of the season. You're kind of, I know he knows a lot of those guys from his time with the Marlies, but it's kind of tough to try and implement your systems in the way you'd like to in a full training camp. But then the season goes on pause, and then they have that kind of modified bubble training camp. And the, the Leafs should have won that Columbus year. I'm sure you agree. I'm sure everybody agrees. They probably should have won that Columbus series. I so it's I picked Columbus start. because I predicted the upset, and I love to be put that humble brag in there. But the Leafs, on paper, like they were the better team, and they should have won. I agree with that. No, and like Jake Muzzin getting hurt, that was a summer. That was a scary injury and lying on the ice there. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I know this even this year, talking about abbreviated training camps, they've had like a week and a half and they're playing Wednesday night. Like it's crazy. So I could definitely see some early season jitters between not just the Leafs, but every team in the NHL. And it's going to be really interesting to see how kind of Sheldon develops as an NHL head coach because he's taken the fast track to the league going from, uh, from Pembroke to St. Marie, to the Marlies, to the Leafs. Like, that's quite the career after playing in the NHL. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, Sheldon deploys his lines and how he covers his team up this year. Is there anything that, if you had to pinpoint one thing that he could improve on as a coach heading into his first, well, I guess it's not a full season because it's 56 games, but the, the first time that he will be the coach from the start to the end of the season that he could improve on? Yeah, it's tough. The power play wasn't great last year especially with the guy like, it's like team canada the world juniors their power play is i'm not going to say that's what lost on the gold medal game but like their power play could have been way better it's the best candidate team in years and they didn't end up winning the gold medal so of course your power play is kind of that's definitely a thing in terms of the way he deploys the lines of course this sort of decision is going to weigh like a lot of people have been talking about that for this past week since it got announced right looking at in terms of the way sheldon can improve it's interesting because it's all about the ebbs and flows of a season Right, you can start off how you can win five, six straight games to start the season. Everybody's on cloud nine, but then you lose three or four in a row, and you're kind of like it's all about maintaining that kind of steady pace all the way through the year, especially with a group as talented as Toronto. Same thing for Ottawa this year. If the Sens get off to a really bad start, it's about getting back to the kind of like 500 range, right? You know what I mean? So it'll be interesting to see what DJ does in Ottawa, what Sheldon does in Toronto. In terms of improvement, though, it's tough for me. It's 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 really tough. I just want to see them win games because, honest to God, Ryan. I know we went on this at the beginning that I'm not a super fan. I just kind of like, you know what I mean? But I think it's more fun when the Leafs are good. I really do. And 2016-17, the last time, the first year the Leafs made the playoffs and the year that the Sens went to the conference final, the Leafs were one win away from playing the Senators in the first round. How electric would that have been? I want that again here in the Canadian division. I remember watching the last game of the season and cheering. Like I think it was against like Columbus or something. It was, yeah. And if they won, then they faced the Senators or however that would have worked out. And I was cheering for the result where the Sens would end up playing the Bruins because I knew that was a matchup that would much better favor the Sens. But uh, now a few years later, like 
Ottawa with all of the prospects that they have coming up. Perhaps in a few years that would be a, a really amazing series. I, I don't expect us to see it this year or next year, but uh, a few more years down the road when Ottawa catches up, that would be amazing. No, for sure. Yeah, and I had tickets to game one of that series, actually, against Boston, which is funny. <laughs> we ended up going Boston when that game 2-1, but uh, yeah, I know for sure. Can't wait for the future of both teams. Austin Matthews last year was robbed of his first career 50-goal season. He had 47 in 70 games to finish the season, although, of course, if they had finished, he would have perhaps gotten maybe 55. Who knows what he would have been able to do. Going into this season, considering that they will be playing Ottawa and Montreal so many times, two teams that he's had so much success against in his career. What do you think is the ceiling for production for Austin Matthews this season? I could see a 30-goal season at 56 games, Ryan. I really could. And pretty sure that's going to be kind of the bench. That's going to, 30 is going to be this year's 50. You know what I mean? In terms of like a benchmark kind of goal scoring, that tally and yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. That's what makes this Canadian division so great. It just sucks we can't go to these games. Because this would be some of the best hockey we're ever gonna see, especially in Ottawa. Like imagine that a Friday, Saturday back to back with the Leafs in town with fans in the stands. It'd be bananas. So I think a thirty goal season is totally attainable in fifty six games for Austin Matthews and if he hits that plateau, I think we'd be pretty pretty impressive. It's gonna be interesting to see goal scoring around the league this year though, in terms of what the numbers end up being in the end. A lot of fans are declaring the Leafs to be a lock to win the North Division. So I'm going to bring up the standings here so we can look at last year and see how close everybody was with each other, except for Ottawa. <laughs> um, when you look at the parity in this division, do you think it's fair to call Toronto a lock to win the division, or where do you see them slotting in the standings? I wouldn't certainly call them a lock. Uh, there's a lot of good teams in this Canadian division. Even the Senators, like... I don't know if you saw a rear admiral from certain chick, let's put some like futures back down that the Suns are going to win the cup this year. I'm like that's you're kind of out to lunch with that take, but like they're they're hard to play against. And if you're playing, if you're go, if the Suns are flying to Vancouver to play two straight, they might they're going to split these series, right? So in terms of being a lock, I'm not going to say it's a lock because it's the Leafs, but I do see them as the kind of the best team on paper. And then you kind of see Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg kind of in there. Montreal, I don't believe the Montreal hype. Be 100% honest with you. Bringing in Josh Anderson, acting like he's like your superstar player, you're paying seven. Like, come on. Especially for a guy that, like, he plays a grit and grind game and he plays like, he's like a new era type of player in terms of he can go kill a guy in the corner and he'll go score a goal, that sort of thing. But wouldn't call them a lock. I'd say they got to make the playoffs in this division, though. The odd teams out, I don't know if you want to get into that. That'll be interesting to see who doesn't make the playoffs in this division because. Winnipeg, I don't know about the Jets. Uh, Calgary, if they don't get the goaltending that they want out of Markstrom, even though they're paying on the big bucks, it's going to be really interesting. I agree with you. There's a lot of uncertainty heading into the season in all divisions, but perhaps the North Division being the toughest to predict out of them all. How would the Leafs have to perform for you to consider this season a success? Is it winning a round? Is it winning the North Division? Or where would you draw the line to consider this season to be a complete failure in a scenario where we would see major off-season changes after this year? Uh, these, these expectations might be through the roof, but I expect them to get out of the North Division in the conference final. I think that's where you got to be at this point if you're this team. You've had years and years and years of failure. And, of course, 
they're, you get the first two rounds of the playoffs started with the North Division this year. I think the Leafs got to get out of the North Division and get to the Conference Final. I think that has to be your benchmark. I really do. That might seem like a lofty goal at this point in time for a team that hasn't won a series in, since 2004, whenever it's been. But I really do believe that has to be your goal if you're the Leafs. And if they fail to win a round, would that be where you would call it a failure? If they win one oh, round, like that, at least you're improving. But if they if they yeah. have another first round loss, then that's a big deal. See the thing last year, if they won that Columbus series, I think people would have called that a success. And that wasn't even really a technical, as you said, a playoff series. They would have went and played Tampa in the second round and probably would have lost. So, or in the first round, I guess it was technically. It's, uh, no, yeah, for sure. If you win a round, I don't know if the swift changes come into effect as quickly as if you don't win a round at all. It's going to be a hell of a season, though. I'm so excited for hockey to come back. I know I'm still kind of in football mode with the Bills still in the playoffs and the Super Bowl coming up in the next couple of weeks. But hockey's going to be fantastic this year, especially in this North Division. Absolutely. And finally, I'm asking everybody who comes on the show for the preview, do you think that there is a chance in hell that the Ottawa Senators somehow slide into the top four and make the playoffs this year? Uh, there's a, I, you know, I'm not, never going to rule that out. And I'm, I want the Sens to succeed. I've always wanted the Sens to succeed. Jimmy Stutzel is going to be electric. We all know that. They're goaltending with Matt Murray. He's going to be a big question mark to see if he can kind of get back to what he was like when he knocked the Senators out of the playoffs there in 2017. They added a lot of – it's funny to me. I don't really know if I agree with the way they've kind of constructed their team in terms of adding a lot of these veteran pieces and kind of kicking the young guys to the taxi squad into Belleville. Like, do you really – like that – I, that Coburn and Cedric Paquette trade, I know it was a money deal. That's exactly what it was. You're getting actual players instead of paying guys on LTIR, but it's fine. It worked out for both teams. But did you really need to bring Braden Coburn in to take away a spot for them from an Eric Branson on the back end? I don't know. But is this team more likely to make the playoffs with all these veterans in the line that have that kind of experience? I think they are. So can they slide to that top four? Sure. You never know. Will they? I don't think so, personally. They're going to be an exciting team to watch, though. I just wish we could go to the games this year. I agree. Thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show, Matt. Best of luck for the Leafs every time this year, as long as they're not playing Ottawa, of course. And yeah, uh, enjoy the Bills playoff run. <laughs> oh, man, Baltimore Saturday. Now, when's this going out? Whenever this goes out, uh, I guess before the season starts, but Baltimore Saturday night, go Bells, and it's uh, it's going to be a heck of a season. I can't wait. Thanks for letting me, Thanks for having me on, Ryan. We really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks again to Matt Wilson for coming on the show and previewing the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I hope everybody enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you like and subscribe. Feel free to leave a comment. Tune in tomorrow as Nathan McCallum will be joining me to preview the season for the Ottawa Senators. Go Sens go! Peugeot, 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 Peugeot. First round pick, Mason, Silverberg for Ryan, McCulloch, Kovalev, California Road Trips, Laleem, Hasek, Gerber, Carousel of Goalies. B -b Buddy Robinson, Ben Harper, Bobby Ryan, Spartacat, Boro, Hoffman, LeBreton is a no-go, Elliot, Anderson, Alex Aldis back again, Dorian says, we're a team, someday we will win the cup. We didn't start the rebuild. 
It was always brewing since 2009. We didn't start the rebuild. No, we didn't start it, but this time we've got it. 